anyways. Well, we already had a whole conversation, but let's like also. I want to. So nice to meet you. Yes, lovely <laughs> to meet you. Yes, but I do actually. I want to dive into your story, and so I want to talk about kind of like. Um, well, let's first just start off with uh, your background, like where you're from, and then maybe how you got to where you are today. <laughs> yes. Oh, a loaded, a loaded question to kind of. Start off. Where do I? Where do I? I mean, we got pretty deep already. From <laughs> yeah, I know exactly, um, and it does. I mean, where I'm from contributes to the spiritual abuse mm -hmm. conversation for sure. I grew up in Alabama, and I grew up in a family where there's the conservative people or the like fundamentalist people, and then there's the people who think the fundamentalist people are liberal. Mm -hmm. And that was what I grew up in. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and I can safely safely name it as a cult mm -hmm. by de definition of what I grew up in. And there's that layer of it, which is like very ni nightmarish. Yeah. And then there's the other layer. I have six siblings. Mm. We were very close. You were uh, or weren't? We were, yeah. Oh, were. Mm -hmm. Yeah, growing up. And, we, and, and a lot of it's like, trauma bonding because we were the only people that, you know, had this similar experience. We're all close, pretty close in age. Mm -hmm. I, I, they. What is trauma bonding? By trauma the way? bonding. Yeah, that's a really good question. It's what happens when you go through a trauma with. It can happen with people that you go through the trauma with mm -hmm. those people, and so you guys experience the trauma together and mm. so the trauma itself bonds you uh -huh. but it might color the relationship a little bit there tends to be some codependency that mm -hmm. can happen in that um, definitely have experienced that with sibling relationships and parental relationships you can develop a trauma bond with your abuser mm -hmm. in which you uh, and and part of the reason for that is because when you're abused there's a huge violation that happens to your soul and like to your to yourself, and and so they've invaded you mm -hmm. without you, without your permission. But they're still there, right. and so you're bonded to them because they've gotten into you. Okay. but they're not necessarily um, there by invitation. Right, but it's an emotional um, attachment. Yeah, yeah, which is why women keep going back to their abuser. Right. You know, uh, abusive marriages mm -hmm. and they can't leave and mm -hmm. and that totally happened with me I was 26 when I left my family of origin moved out mm. of my family of origin and what I, happened at 26 um well <laughs> how much how many layers were we going bust to? Out the gym now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah so grew up in a cult was close mm -hmm. with my siblings we um use like humor and you know, fun to kind of deflect, and, mm -hmm. and so there was a lot that was happening at the same time as this yeah. nightmare thing happened. Um, wasn't allowed to go to college, was sort of raised to, like, you're a woman, you're supposed to be wife and mom. I see. Um, which is kind of where my book comes into play, because mm -hmm. it's a very feminist, feminist twist to, to that. The, um, and so, like, you don't, need a, you don't need a college degree. All mm -hmm. you're going to do is just, like, be home and take care of your kids, and so you don't need a college degree. And so I ended up, ended up doing college, um, in secret, like two years of school, just completely in secret, um, wow. before my family knew about it. And at, and and at some point, I realized the only way to escape was to be financially independent. And mm. so I just came up with a plan for getting my college degree. I was working as a nanny. I had been kicked out of my house or kicked out of my parents' house. Um, and is it because they found out you were going to school? Because I took a job oh, without... Well, how dare you? Yeah, took a job. And, and it wasn't so much that I took the job, it was yeah. that I didn't ask my dad's permission. And at that point, uh, I was almost 25 years old. I see. And I just kind of switch flipped in my brain of like, I'm almost 25, I should not have to ask right. my dad for permission. But at that point, he owned everything. He owned the cars, yeah. uh, the place that I lived. Like, I had no money, I had mm -hmm. no resources. And so, like what did I have to like fight back with? Like mm -hmm. nothing. And, but I, I just made this decision. I was like, I shouldn't have to ask my dad for permission to take a job. So, so what, what's your, like, what's your dad's expectation prior to all this? Like is like in the time when you would be going to college, mm -hmm. what is he kind of expecting you to actually be doing during Serve the time? Serve the family. Yeah. Like what does that mean? That like 
make, make your father's vision come true. And then you get married and you make your husband's vision come true. And, and so the, probably the most practical way that played out is he has a massive home, it's a mansion, but we built it. Like, the kids built it. Like, we- By hand? Yeah. Like you we, built a house? I worked and built a house, like, for my dad. Um, and so I call that slave labor now because of how much time we put into it. And then I always like justified it as like, well, you know, if I were an adult living somewhere, like I would be paying rent. So this is like my rent. That's how, mm. what I called it. But um, it wasn't until I was like 24, 25 that I was like, oh, but if I were paying rent somewhere, I would have autonomy and I would be able to go anywhere I wanted yeah, to yeah. and make decisions and I could take a job and right. I could read whatever books I wanted to and I could yeah. watch whatever movies I wanted to, I could leave whenever, you know, like if I were paying rent and so it was just, it just stopped computing for me because wow. I'm like, so because it was, it was, it was slave labor, yeah. it was total slave labor um, happening inside the home um, and all justified by God, mm -hmm. like, you know, he is the voice of God in our lives and um, he is the authority and our job, you know, as long as we are serving him and doing what he wants, then everything's fine. We're doing what God wants us to do. And so he was like that umbrella of just mm. like anything, as long as we are making him happy, mm -hmm. which is like, it's genius. Like, it's genius. I was like, this is like Hitler genius. Yeah, like, yeah. if you can get all the people under you to fear God yeah. in order to obey you, right. it's not you. It's like, it's like, Oh, me, the dad. I'm not saying this. Yeah, God's yeah. It's a master it. manipulator. I'm just, I'm just trying to do what God wants right. me to do. Like, this isn't my idea. Yeah. This is God's idea. Right. Um, and so. And then how could you refute that? You couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, eventually you can if you, but it, it takes a long time because, like, it took me forever to realize one of the reasons why I went to seminary mm -hmm. was I was like, I just, I know what he taught me was wrong, but he was the person who taught me how to read the Bible. He was the person who taught me how to interpret the Bible. Every story that I knew about the Bible had his words yeah. infused into it. Yeah. And I just was like, I need to go and just get tools so I can like combat this in my own head mm -hmm. and know how he twisted this and right. understand how he twisted it and then know what it's actually supposed to say yeah um yeah so that was the onus for doing that because i just i mean he infected everything mm -hmm. and he still does you know it's gonna take you're still in relationship with your father no mm -hmm. no his his voice though his I voice see. is still impacting the way that i experience things sometimes so i i anticipate I anticipate, I was like, I, I left when I was 26, mm. and so I'll probably be, you know, in therapy working through this the same amount of time that I lived there. Mm. So at 52, mm -hmm. I should be better. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm going to be good. You so. know, you, did you have brothers as well? Mm -hmm. Okay, what, what's the role of, the, of a boy versus a daughter in the household? Yeah, there was a difference in, and I'm seeing more now that my, we're all adults now, and just the different impact that it had on the women versus the men. And my, my younger brother shared with me um, that he, he was confused because he grew up and, and there were like the man's role and the woman's role mm -hmm. and like the little things like my dad never cleared his place after dinner. Like he would eat, come, show up, eat dinner, then get up and leave and someone else would do it. And it was like that, like the man, he's not supposed to like mm -hmm. touch the dishes, like that kind of mentality. But then my brother, who was a boy, he had to do dishes. And so he was like, so men don't do dishes, but then I have to do it. And so like that confusion of like, there's this rule for like my dad as a man, mm -hmm. he doesn't have to do these things, but Caleb as a, as a boy, boy yeah. he did. And so like, you're kind of told, confusing conflicting yeah. messages and he did like and I would say if anything characterized childhood yeah. it was confusion yeah constant confusion um constant speaking out of both sides of your mouth and receiving two messages mm -hmm. at once and yeah so there there's definitely a different difference in the way the men are raised and the women are raised it's still damaging right. for both yeah. but the men at least had a way out uh, at some point they were going to be in power because they were going to have a family. Right. And they're going to be married. And then repeat the mm -hmm. same cycle. Yeah. Yeah.
Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yes. And so my, uh, yeah, and so that was just kind of their way out. And so there was just a different approach mm-hmm. to life. And, but my dad still considered himself still an authority until they were married. Mm. Um, and I remember him telling me, like, I can't see anything in the Bible that says that someone is uh, not under their parents' authority. But when they're married, obviously the husband has to be an authority, mm. so he can't be an authority mm-hmm. over someone else. So then that makes sense that right. they wouldn't have to be yeah. <laughs> an authority um, any longer. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, still for men, it was mm. like, you have to get married to not be under the authority of your parents. Right. Very patriarchal. Very, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Super. Very Old Testament, yeah. for sure. This is like the highest, like, uh, Contextualization of yes. yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, exactly. The um, highest level for sure. Where where's your mom in all of this? Yeah, that's a very complex um, for sure. Very complex, and it's still still in process. Mm. She's still with him. Mm-hmm. Still defends him. Mm-hmm. Doesn't think he's abusive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was a definitely scales falling off my eyes moment several Mm. years ago where I realized, oh, she's not just a victim in this. She's also an abuser. And so Mm. I had to, when you have two parents, this is common in like abusive families, you have two parents, one is abusive, more abusive than the other, you kind of emotionally attached to the one that's less abusive and so because you just need need a parent to be good, you know? And and I'm like, I recognize that, Mm -hmm. like I need, I need my parent, I need one parent, you know, one stable parent, one healthy parent. And I do have genuine experiences with my mom where she was genuinely gave me good advice, Mm. where she was genuinely empathetic, Mm -hmm. where um, I do believe that she really loved me and really cared about me. And so I have those Mm. memories Mm -hmm. and those memories are still very real. Um, They're not negated, I don't think, Mm. but just that reality of like, I was a child. I didn't have a choice. Mm. She was an adult. Mm-hmm. She didn't. Right. She could have. She could have done something. Yeah. She didn't. So. I guess I am curious to know, like specifically, like what happened in your family that you realized this is a cult. This is an abusive system. Mm-hmm. My household, and then your move to going into seminary. Like how you even decided <laughs> this seminary. Yeah. This is like how. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't able to name it as a cult until like this year. So I, I wasn't able to put it in that category and I wasn't able to call it abuse until I, until I was in seminary going to therapy for the first time. I was even uncomfortable using that word. Mm. Uh, and now I'm just looking at it was like, what? Mm-hmm. Of course it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, it was, but you're just in it and yeah. you grew up in it as a child and it's normal and yeah. you just don't know, you don't know anything different. Right. Um, there were definitely like little moments, like aha, like moments, like something's off, something's weird, mm-hmm. something doesn't make sense. But it's your family, and like the like what you're gonna lose is unpack that yeah. when you say. But it's your family. Yeah, it's just it's like I mean, and like naming like my relationship with my siblings yeah. and how close I was with them, and and their narrative at the time mm-hmm. was we're one big happy family, and we mm-hmm. were like we mm-hmm. were were are like. A lot of fun. We're the life of the party. Mm-hmm. Like we 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 bring we bring the heat. Like we're yeah. just like we're we're a lot of fun. Yeah. And and you want to you want to maintain that. You yeah. know. You like I want to be a part of this thing right. where we're the fun family and mm-hmm. we, you know you know tear up the dance floor at weddings mm-hmm. and you know like like I want that narrative to be right. true. That's your family identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just and I didn't know that this is these are the things that I'm going to be losing um, mm. for a while and I yeah, I just didn't I I it was it was slow and it was, mm. you know, progression and I remember one of my friends who probably wasn't even able to name it as abuse either but I remember being at her house and and I was maybe sharing some things about what was happening in my family Mm -hmm. and she would just said hey come with me real quick and so she like took me through her kitchen into her uh, back room where there was like another bed and she was like this bed is for you whenever you need it and so even though she didn't say hey there's something messed up with your family you need to get out you don't you need you know you need to leave it was just like oh somebody is saying that this is 
this is not right. And yeah. somebody let me know that they were concerned. Yeah. And then at the time when I got kicked out of my house, I got the job that I took was a job at a church. What? <laughs> uh, and I was working at this church. And when I got kicked out of it, out of my house, I went to work and one of the pastors uh, came in to my office and shut the door and I was like, what's happening? <laughs> and he comes in and he was just, and he looks at me and he says, the average abused woman leaves 12 times before she leaves for good. And then he turned around and he walked out. Whoa. And so to just have someone name it as abuse. Mm. And then also that tapped into my competitive spirit because I was like, I knew I was going to go back. I will leave faster than yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I know, exactly. I knew I was going to go back, but I was like, the next time I leave, because I didn't have resources. Like, I didn't have money. I didn't have, yeah. I didn't even own a car. I was 20, almost 25. I didn't even own a car. Didn't have a college degree. Yeah. Like, I, I, I was like, I need things in place um, before I can leave. Yeah. But the next time I leave, I'm leaving for good. Yeah. And so once I owned a car, mm -hmm. and I borrowed the money from my dad and then paid it off, and once I had a car, I was like, okay, even if I have to sleep in my car, mm. I'm not going back. Mm -hmm. I, will, I will not go back. And I even at one point was sleeping in a garage with, with roaches in it because mm. it was just like, but, but even that was better than, than right. living in that yeah. home. Like just the, the ability to breathe, yeah. <laughs> like make decisions, um, watch R-rated movies and not have to worry about it. You know, when you were talking about um, your family, like, I, I, like a, a pit fell into my stomach. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's just, that's crazy. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I will, I will accept that word. Yeah. So. I mean, I mean, yeah, I'm not in a, hopefully in an offensive way, but it's just like, I can't believe like, it's, 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 it saddens me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's not that long ago. It, it really isn't, yeah, I'm, I'm going on 10 years now of not living in my hometown, yeah. which is not that long ago. Right. So it really, yeah, less than a decade Just like that these systems where like people exist, mm -hmm. and you think like this day and age, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. And it was actually, in order, like me being able to name it as a cult, um, I watched The Vow on HBO, the Nexium about the Nexium story, and that is a cult that didn't happen in the desert. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen in a bunker. Right. It happened in a neighborhood near you. No, yeah. And with professional people mm -hmm. who were associated with it. And that was really helpful for me to be like, okay, just because we didn't, just because we were in a normal neighborhood with normal friends mm -hmm. and normal lives. Normal. It, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm all this stuff that was happening underneath right. that nobody knew about. Right. Or some people suspected, yeah. but not enough. Mm -hmm. And because we were maintaining this one big happy family yeah. image, which I contributed sure. to, they didn't have a reason. Like, well, them. at yeah. least they're, ha they ha they're happy. Mm -hmm. Okay, Catherine's not allowed to yeah. go to college, but she's, she's yeah. happy, you know, she's mm -hmm. fun. She's having a good time. Uh, so there was no need to to address or get more involved. And again, I couldn't name it as abuse at the time. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up, I had been drawn to ministry and wanted to go into, um, I didn't think women were allowed to be pastors, so, uh, but do something pastoral. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up going to Mexico mm -hmm. and worked there and helped plant a church mm -hmm. and then ended up in seminary. Mm -hmm. And I worked in youth ministry while I was in seminary. And that was also where I, first mm -hmm. started going to therapy mm -hmm. and it's so weird because I remember going to therapy and I was like I know that there was something messed up about my family but I don't have any evidence in myself I was mm -hmm. like I can I have friends I can keep a job I can go to school mm -hmm. I you know like there's no evidence like right. I don't see how this impacted me right yet I had this awareness that there was no way that it could not have impacted me, you know, like mm. it had to have impacted me mm -hmm. somehow. So I should probably go to therapy. Right, right, because something <laughs> felt wrong. It's more of a feeling. I think the only thing that I could say this is off was like dating relationships. Mm. Like, like men and dating was just, I'd never had a boyfriend, mm -hmm. I'd never really gone on any dates. And 
at the time I wasn't aware that men made me uncomfortable in general, but I, I knew something was off was just like male relationships or friendships yeah. or bosses. That dynamic. Yeah, and so, and I remember like my very first therapy session saying, if anything's off, like this is, like this is one thing that maybe isn't quite right. Mm -hmm. Thinking, oh, we're gonna have a few sessions, but mm -hmm. we're gonna be fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, going later, on like yeah. yeah, going on like eight years yeah. off and on of therapy. I'm like still in therapy, and I love mm -hmm. therapy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love it. I love therapy. That's like that's kind of where I guess things get a little bit murky for me in situations like this because I understand that like, and maybe this is being naive or like giving people an excuse, I guess, but. Because even if you're an adult and you do have choices and a, like you have a level of awareness, mm -hmm. but you may not have a full level of awareness. So mm -hmm. maybe I'm not trying to I'm not trying to um, go against anything you're saying, mm -hmm. but in general situations like this, it's like could we ever think like, well, they're just not aware yet, mm. and then give them permission or. Is that, oh, yeah. is that like compounding the abuse even more? That's a really good question. And like at what point? And yeah, just taking the, the church situation mm -hmm. uh, that we both experienced mm -hmm. into consideration of, I mean, I had to have that yeah. awakening. Mm -hmm. And and I, I even realized how much, because I was associated with the denomination for several years mm -hmm. and I am realizing now, within the past few years, that I went to this patriarchal, misogynistic denomination mm -hmm. because it was familiar. Right. And that was its own trauma bond. Yeah. Of like, and I had I had someone say that to me one time. I was one of my roommates. Yeah. So I I can safely say that now mm -hmm. that it's it's patriarchal. But at the same time, I still have friends in there and mm -hmm. I have friends who are elders in this. Yeah. I have friends who are pastors in this sure. nomination. And so And probably don't feel that way. No, yeah. mm -hmm. no. And even women mm -hmm. who yeah. like, oh I can't, I'm cared for. Yeah. People listen to me mm -hmm. as a woman. I'm valued mm -hmm. and like they'll say those things. Um, and so I you know I can't say no, you're not. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're not. Yeah, like, and you're a liar. You should yeah. get out of this. Like, I mean, people have had their own mm -hmm. journey. Yeah. Um, and I know folks who are attempting with this denomination to fight cases of abuse within the denomination mm -hmm. using the denominational system. Right. right. I think it's a total waste of time. It's not going to work. The entire yeah. system is toxic. Yeah. And so for them to try to fight abuse, mm -hmm using a toxic system to fight abuse. Right. It's not going to yeah. work, and I've seen it happen, mm -hmm. you know, domino effect over and over and over again mm -hmm. in different sections of this denomination, uh, different regions yeah. happening, the same thing happening because the whole system toxic. But folks have to go through that themselves. Yeah. Like, they just, they just do. Like, you have to go through it yourself. <laughs> so therapy for eight years. Um... Yeah, off and on, yeah, for about eight years now. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I've just... You know, the classic experience of of therapy, the first six months were just hell because it was just like that, uh, a metaphor of digging a poison bullet out of a wound. And, yeah. and, and that was happening for about six months. It was just, you know, and I remember... What came more, to the surface? So much. <laughs> I remember leaving one... Uh, I actually, because of my challenges that I had with men, I ended up getting a therapist who was a man and uh, to, to just like be in that context. You are competitive. Man. You're like, I do <laughs> not have problems with this. men. I don't <laughs> I'm get, get a male therapist. <laughs> <laughs> Might be an issue. Um, <laughs> but I remember one session leaving yeah. and my hand was like clenched so tight and like I got home and I like opened it up and I just had like like little like mini you know, half moon, blood, mm. bloody fingers imprints into my hand um, just because it was like, there was just so much coming up. Like just, you know, I mean, 26 years in a, yeah. in a cult. So. That's where it was really, like you're actualizing the fact of what happened. Yeah, the, yeah. Um, and just like, and I didn't know anything about trauma. I didn't sure. know anything about, you know, again, I couldn't even name it right. as abuse. I knew mm -hmm. something was wrong, right. but I couldn't name it as abuse. Um, and so, yeah, it, it took, you know, 
pretty intense mm. therapy for has taken mm -hmm. um, and then now that I'm working with survivors of abuse mm -hmm. I I'm, I'm learning a lot right. you know? I'm learning a lot about my own family and mm -hmm. that informed a lot of because I'd been in therapy maybe like three or four years when I ended up um, at the church in California mm -hmm. and I I had that to help inform me about what was going on at the church in California. Mm -hmm. And I remember a couple people remarking, Catherine, you figured this out like a lot faster than most people mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, because I was having the same feelings mm -hmm. of what I was experiencing right. with my family. And at first I gaslit myself mm -hmm. <laughs> and was like, oh, I'm being triggered, but yeah. nothing's wrong. Right. And so it's my pr problem, it's my yeah. trauma. I need to address my issues. Yeah. And then it took me to, a little while to be like, Oh no! Yeah, it's not me. Mm -hmm. I'm triggered because the same thing is happening. Right, right. <laughs> like it's familiar. This is, yeah, yeah, this is this is really wrong. This right. is really really messed up. So I had that experience to yeah. draw from in navigating that that abuse situation. Mm -hmm. So I really actually wanted to interview for a while, and it took me a while to actually uh, reach out to you and ask you. I was nervous <laughs> asking. Really? Yeah, yeah. What uh, makes you nervous? Well, because, you know, we didn't, we really didn't know each other. Mm -hmm. Like, we were, like, barely acquaintances mm -hmm. before. And then, you know, it was just like, mm -hmm. I get nervous asking anyone to be on my podcast. Right, right. So, um, but... But yeah, I mean, I and I I'm, I want to say this not that like this is how everyone should be, but like I was, I was so impressed and amazed by like what knowing like you know because we worked at the same church in LA, mm -hmm. and knowing that you left and I knew you know knowing knowing the circumstances there like why you left but not necessarily particularly your story, mm -hmm. but then that you then established. Uh, nonprofit, Tears mm -hmm. of Eden. You started this podcast called Uncertain, mm -hmm. which was like talking to spiritual abuse survivors. And like, even for me, I was like, I wish I had that because, mm. it, you know, to hear the stories and hear the words, it's not until yes. you hear it that you then you're like, that was me, or like, I get it, you uh, know? And so I just so to see you like make so much, like, so much good out of it. Mm. Um, I was just like blown away. And then mm. when you wrote a book, I was like, who is this, <laughs> who is this woman? <laughs> like, she got a podcast, she got a website, so she got a nonprofit. Erotic and never sleeps, that's who she is. <laughs> but no it's, no, it's wonderful though, because I mean, you've literally out of, you know, obviously this is very like deep, deep in you and a part mm -hmm. of you, but that you've created something really beautiful and mm -hmm. like Tears of Eden, I know is what you want it to be resources for other right. people, you know? And the right. podcast is great because it's just, it puts the stories out there and you can hear mm -hmm. the words, hear the emotions and mm -hmm. um, like literally again, like for me having, ha like us having attended the same church with that experience and that system, it really, it's because again, it's so confusing, mm -hmm. and it's like hard to name. It's hard to even articulate to someone for yeah. them to even say, "Oh, this is what this is." Mm -hmm. It wasn't like for this like obscure book that I was happened to be recommended to me to read that I right. happened to end up reading that someone recommended. Right. <laughs> and like, I was like, oh, this is it? We yeah. We the same thing. We're at the same place. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So I do want to <laughs> ask you about um, your experience at that church because you said. Um, I don't know where I read this, but you said like, oh, I think it was with your interview with Diane Langberg, mm -hmm. and you said um, you knew it was time to leave. Like, I did everything I could, and it was time to go. Mm -hmm. And that's something I struggled with a lot when before yeah. I left, because I was like, have I done enough? And my friend Kathleen asked me, what is mine, like, ask yourself, what is mine right. to do? And I was like, I'm not sure. Like, I feel like I need to do more. Right. This is my church. Like, I need to stick by my church or whatever. Right. How did you know it was time to go for you? Right. Yeah. Before I answer that, I want to yeah. say, like, when you said, I wish I would have had this when I was leaving, mm -hmm. like, that was so meaningful to me because, mm. like, creating Tears of Eden and creating the podcast, I'm making the resource that I wish I would have had. Yes. Like, that is exactly yeah. what I wanted it mm -hmm. to be. So that means so much to me hearing your feedback on that. That's really helpful. Um, and then just like coming to that moment of like, I need to leave. Was that the question? Yeah, I need to leave. yeah. Like, how did you know? Um, yeah, 
Whoa, straw. And and I, I'm curious, like I want to talk to you about this too, because that idea of like I I need to make sure that I've done everything I can. Yeah. I I'm I I've only ever heard women say that. Mm. And I said the same thing. Like I need to know that I've exhausted every resource system and tried everything. And I I'm I'm curious if men have that same experience, mm. you know, I've talked to a few men who've been through these things. Oh, really? And I think that that's a cultural, like, I need to be tough. I don't want to admit that I was a victim. Actively pretend or just like, I can't engage with this emotion? Both. Okay. Yeah, both in general. Mm -hmm. um, that's been my experience with most men. Mm -hmm. um, and, or they'll say it was a hurtful experience, but to name it as abuse, right. that tends to be a little more challenging for right. men. Um, but I haven't ever heard a man yet, and I'm not saying that, they're, that they haven't said this, mm -hmm. I haven't yet heard a man say, um, I needed to do everything I could before yeah. I left. Like, mm -hmm. I, I haven't heard that. I don't, that may be their experience, mm -hmm. but I tend to hear women say that, and even women that I know now in these abusive situations saying, I need to make sure that I've done everything I can before yeah. I can leave. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering how much gender impacts that. And I, I mean, I said the same thing. I need to know. Um, and I would say there was a lot of final moments, straw that broke the camel's yeah. back, last, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Like, I've got to leave. And I remember um, one Sunday, kind of like your twilight experience of mm. like, this is really rotten and then everyone's smiling. Yeah. Like, I had a moment similar to that where I was um, at... It was one of the big festival party things. Mm -hmm. I can't remember which one it was. But I was I was there, I was the youth director. I my my you know, show up, do my thing, you know, get pizza for the youth, yada yada yada. <laughs> and um, a woman came up to me and she had kids in uh, children's ministry and I think one of her kids was like in fifth grade, so they were gonna like be in the youth ministry mm -hmm. soon. Mm -hmm. And so she, and that was kind of how her, how she started the conversation mm. was, um, oh, you're gonna be my kid's youth leader mm. soon, and 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 so she starts talking to me, and then she says, okay, so I've I've been wanting to talk to you and just like see how you're doing with everything in the church. Um, my husband and I, we know what's going on. Mm. We have written letters. And we've been talking. We we are we're aware of what's happening. Um, I just want you to know how are you doing? How can we help? You know, and she's mm. saying this, and as she's talking to me, I'm suddenly just getting like super nervous, mm. and I'm looking around, and I'm like, executive directors over there, my boss is over there, and elders there, and I like, and they see me talking to her, and, and they're not like looking at me, but sure. I'm like, they're aware that I'm having this conversation with this woman. Yeah. And, and obviously, if her husband's written letters and they've been talking to people and they're friends with people who've left, like, they know who this woman is. They see me talking to her. And, like, like basically, I'm in danger because I'm having a conversation. Because you're associated with this yeah. person who's against the church. Yeah. yeah. Against the church. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But I was also like, and then she's a parent. And so I'm the youth director. Like, she's within my, you know, ministry yes. realm yeah. of people that I should be talking to on a Sunday. Right. And I can't even have a conversation with her oh without my. fear. Yeah. I was like, okay, we're done. Yeah. Like, we're done. Like, this is, this, I was like, that was a, I was, I just remember that, like, super clearly. Because you were like, like, this isn't how I, it should be? I couldn't do my job without fear. Like, that's what it was. Like, mm -hmm. I, I can't even do my job without mm. being afraid mm -hmm. of like what can I say what you know and yeah. like having to have this conversation with this woman and be honest with her like this is a f situation yeah. but also be like I have to be super diplomatic because right. I could lose my job <laughs> like, right. I'm just like right. I like and like what and that what if like what will they do how will they respond to this how will they retaliate how are they going to mm -hmm. get back yep. at me mm -hmm. and uh, what are they going to take away what mm -hmm. you know like how how is this going to present mm -hmm because I'm associated yeah. and like that. And like, there was a lot of like, people that I wouldn't post on an Instagram with that I was with them, you know, like that kind of thing was happening. Totally. But it wasn't until that moment when yeah. like, this is someone 
part of my job. Yeah. I can't do yeah. my job without fear. Like yeah. that was that was like, okay, we're done. Yeah. We're 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 done. And I left and I didn't have a job when I when I left. Like I resigned not having a job. I got oh, yeah. super so lucky I. that I got one yeah. really fast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was just like, I just, I have to go. Yeah. I just, I don't know. What Can you do. define spiritual abuse or, uh, and, and a toxic system? Because I think people, well, cause, um, I learned this through your podcast <laughs> that, um, you know, spiritual abuse is actually a new or a newer yeah. understanding, which I didn't know. I actually mm-hmm. thought that was like, um, been around for a while, but like maybe for people who spiritual are abuse not, itself is right. Around, Let's be very clear. It's been yes. around for a long time, but not yeah. understood like mm-hmm. in the specific. There's more awareness of right. it for sure. Very, very recently like in the past few years yeah so what is what is spiritual abuse Mm -hmm. and what makes a system toxic yeah um it's hard to define spiritual abuse just like as a definition and there are a lot of people who use different definitions the definition that we use with tears of eden is um a deliberate use of god in the bible uh, to cause shame and harm leading to a breakdown relationship between god self and others and we have that um, results in there of like mm. leading to that breakdown between relationship with yourself, relationship with God, relationship with elders, others. <laughs> Ooh, <where are> you <laughs> <slip>? <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> and elders. Uh, <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> Do we capture that? <laughs> elders, you are God. Um, the um, yeah. So having. Um, that like what it leads to because a lot of times and you had mentioned this earlier you recognize the symptoms and the signs and the feeling before Mm -hmm. you recognize what happened Mm. and what people did Mm. Um, and um, examples of like spiritual abuse were um, where it's like kind of mixed up in there and I uh, mentioned before we started recording that I had an abusive boss at this church and I remember just like sitting in like these conflict revolu- resolution, you know, conversations. Mm. And it was like, we're resolving conflict and you have issues and you have issues and let's try and figure out our issues together. Mm. And, and they're approaching it like, you know, Christians shouldn't have conflict and we should, you know, resolve our conflict. But there was no category for abuse. Right. And they also weren't taking into the fact, taking into account that this was a, uh, there's a power dynamic, like it's my boss. Yeah. So it's not just conflict right. when he's injuring me. Yeah. Um, and so they're trying to do like peacemakers and like, you know, all these things mm-hmm. to try and like mm-hmm. resolve, this, yeah. you know, you know, fracturing between right. brothers, you know, whatever. Like Can you that. explain that power, why that power dy- dynamic is important in, and why it's a conflict of interest and as you're trying to resolve? Resolve yeah. conflict. Yeah, especially when the offending party is someone in power because the person not in power doesn't have the same agency mm-hmm. and doesn't have the same voice mm-hmm. in that situation. Like and influence? So, um, just power in mm. general. And mm-hmm. so when, um, so if it were like you and me mm-hmm. and we were peers yeah. and you know, you yelled at me yeah. or um, were like intimidate, like used your body to intimidate <laughs> me or blocked me in mm. a room mm-hmm. or um, berated me for, you know, two hours, you know, like if you did that, I would be like, screw you. I, we're not friends. <laughs> yeah. I'm blocking you and everything. Right. Like we're not, you know, yeah. like, and it wouldn't have the same trauma impact mm. p- potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe wouldn't even fall into abuse category because there's not a power dynamic. Ah. But when that comes from someone in power mm-hmm. and like, I can't leave, I can't extricate myself. I can't, um, I can't tell you to shut up because right you're my boss right and also and they have power to influence your job yes. and your um, your security mm-hmm. i guess in terms of getting money yeah and power can work in you know if if, if there's any power dynamic like they you have a loan with them mm-hmm. you have um spiritual power they're your sure. pastor you right. know like that that power dynamic can come in so many different right. ways right. which is where the spiritual abuse comes in is it's like, you know, if someone says, you know, if you're, you know, crying because you had a, you know, you 
lost a loved one mm -hmm. and someone comes up to you and they're a peer and they say, well, praise God in all circumstances. That might be considered like spiritual abuse. But if a pastor, your spiritual authority, mm -hmm. like shames you mm -hmm. for grieving mm -hmm. and tells you in the name of God, you should be praising God in all circumstances, you shouldn't be crying. Like that's, that would be spiritual abuse because mm. it's like they're in a position of power they're using God and the authority of God to shame you right, for right. a human emotion. Right. And so that would just be an example Yeah. Where <laughs> does, something. Where does the power of a pastor come from? Oh, like who gives it to them? Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe like who gives it to them or like, uh, where does the authority come from, I guess? Hmm. Well, I think why it can be damaging and why if they misuse God's name mm -hmm. and misuse the power of the pulpit yeah. or misuse the Bible, the reason why it can be damaging is because they are in a position of like speaking for God. Right. And they are speaking authoritatively using the word of God. Right. Um, it's almost like I imagine like a doctor patient relationship. It's like mm -hmm. they have I don't know if this is right, but like assumed authority because they have knowledge about your body and so you're kind of depending on them in that yeah, way. Yeah, knowledge is power for sure, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's an intimate, um, and I think that's why spiritual abuse can be so damaging because mm -hmm. it's an intimate sort of relationship. Which might be different in a corporate office where it's right. like your CEO and an employee per se. Yeah. I mean like abuse it's certainly your still soul. happens. Yeah, but it's your soul, right. Yeah, it's your soul and they, mm -hmm. and, and you've placed, you know, because if I, you know, I'm in a corporate setting and my boss is an asshole, oh, whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bosses are assholes. So yeah, yeah. Like, my boss isn't an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like that very uh, clear. I, guess. I like my job. <laughs> but, uh, but it's so different when they are in a pastoral role right, right. and they're teaching the Bible mm -hmm. and they're caring for your soul. Yeah. And, um, caring for you as a person, right. a lot of times pastors have access to information about you, right. and Intimate. I think of like um, meetings that I had like with my abusive boss and um, other people, and we would pray and during meeting, like before meeting. Okay, that seems like such a simple thing in church. Oh yeah, everybody prays, mm. but prayer is very intimate, you know, mm. and we're gathering together and we're calling on God together to like bless whatever it is we're doing mm -hmm. and you're an abuser in it mm. and you're you're the one talking to God mm. and asking God to bless what we're doing but yeah. then you are an abuser like that is so disrupting mm. so disequilibrating mm -hmm. and so just like like is God gonna yeah. listen is God gonna do anything is you know is it like uh What's the word you use? It's like disorienting? Dis disorienting, yeah. disrupting. Is it yeah. because like in your mind, like, or like we're seeing God as a good and like safe figure and then there's an abusive figure kind of like intermingling like in that? Yeah, or? yeah. I mean, it's, it's as simple as like, how dare you talk to God when you're like doing these kinds of things? Oh. Like, how dare you like, mm -hmm call on God and mm -hmm. it's like it's a gaslighting in itself right. of just to like have a horrible person beseeching the heavens right. <laughs> as if nothing is going on yeah. and as if nothing is wrong yeah. and um and and then it's it's also just this experience of like well then what's wrong with me that I'm now having a hard time praying mm. and like being here and I can't approach God mm -hmm with these people in this approach God. That's just a very Christianese way mm -hmm. of, of expressing it. Um, or that I'm like, I'm feeling disrupted even in this moment of like, you know, when we're supposed to be, you know, caring about kids and mentoring them and teaching them and caring for their souls and or <laughs> another Christianese mm -hmm. phrase, but just like, just like, you know, caring for them as a right. person. And, and, and then this is happening and, and then you're getting up there and you're teaching from the Bible and then... Like as a representative yeah, almost. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, representing God in mm -hmm. that particular 
setting. Right. And whether we shouldn't be giving them that place. And a lot of people will gaslight you and say, well. We're all sinners. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like, we shouldn't put yeah. pastors on a pedestal. Yeah. And it was like, well, they're on a pedestal. Like, yeah. you know, we, we have a stage mm -hmm. and there's a pulpit and they're right. standing up there and they're holding the Bible just by virtue of that position. The like physical yeah. like elevation of them, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. like they're on a pedestal. Right. Like whether we put them there or not, like they're there. Right. Um, and they're now misusing God's word from that place right. of, 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 of authority and power. Right. Um, what, um, how, how does, how does um, a pastor or someone like that misuse authority to, like, what are they, for, for what end? <laughs> I have many theories. Mm. I have many theories. I think it can be spiritually abusive and not necessarily, have spiritually abused people and not necessarily be an abuser. And I can think of ways oh, that. can you clarify that? Yeah, and I can think of, like, a, a very specific thing. There was this horrible book that um, I was given and devoured oh, no, when book? I lived with my parents. It's called Created to Be as Hellmeat. Okay, um, it's basically that. a book about how to manipulate your husband by being perfect. It's oh, basically God. the essential. Uh, it's awful, awful book. And I was involved with crew on campus and I was leading the women's Bible study and I gave every woman in that book that every woman in that group the book and I I'm like a horribly spiritually abusive book mm. and I gave it to people mm. and I like you know like this is a great book yeah. like um and what does that make uh, you feel now knowing that now I yeah guess. I told um I actually have been become reacquainted with a woman who was like in that study and I I said to her, like, I wish I, like, knew all the names of everyone in that group because I would, like, go back and be like, mm. I don't believe this anymore. Yeah. It's a terrible book. If you still have it, you should burn it because mm -hmm. I burned it. Mm -hmm. um, and I told her that, and she was very kind, and she was just like, like, you shouldn't get distracted with, am I abuser or am I not? She was like, you're, you're not. Like you were in these, mm. you were in, you know, you were brainwashed basically mm -hmm. and you perpetuated it, but you were brainwashed. And so like basically don't misplace the guilt of, you know, what you, what you did in these circumstances when you kind of didn't have a choice mm. a little bit. And while I don't fully agree with it and I still think Oh, it could have caused a lot of damage. Yeah. Hopefully, these women were like, "This book is crazy," right. um, and got rid of it. But I, like, damage could have been caused. But my and and that <laughs> that makes spiritual uh, tricky because some people can be um, uh, spiritually abusive, and their intention is good, and like they really do have like honorable intentions, right. and they've been told this is what what God wants from you yeah. and um, and I would say and I wouldn't put this in the spiritual abuse category but just how many people have been anxious on my behalf of my like my soul am I going am I a Christian still mm. or am I because I don't go to church right now and mm -hmm. um, I'm very actively addressing abuse in churches and you know saying things well don't give up on God mm. and like you mm -hmm. know stuff like like worried that I'm like you know, walked away from the faith or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And I wouldn't put that in the spiritual abuse category, but it could get there if yeah. they were, like, shaming Right, me. right. Um, but I, Does yeah, this tie back to, um, like, what you were saying about how, what your friend was saying, how, like, you were brainwashed and you didn't know any better? Like, like does that kind of also correlate with your mom a little bit, too? Like, could... Could it be in the sense that, like, she was brainwashed? Oh, she's totally or, brainwashed. And, like, she yeah. hasn't been... Yeah. enlightened or come to an awareness maybe yeah. like could we uh and this is like a genuine question which is like could we offer her a similar type of like oh yeah i hate to use this word grace grace, grace. <laughs> grace. Uh, uh yeah and i think that if she were to recognize that something was wrong and were to leave my dad yeah. and get help yeah my response to her would be very different than if my dad realize something was wrong and like repent it, you mm -hmm. know, because uh, like the level of damage that my father caused mm -hmm. 
I, and I have arrived at this place, and I, this may change, so I'm saying this, but then I could change this. Like, yeah. the level of damage that he's caused, even if today he were to have an about face and realize I messed up, he is so screwed up. Mm -hmm. Like, he, his, his, he, as a human being, he's yeah. very twisted and very unhealthy. Yeah. And he, if he were to get into therapy and start doing the work now, it would be so many years before he would be some safe for me to engage with. Right, right. So I don't see a category in which I would ever be in relationship yeah. with him again, even if he were to come to a place right. where he understood. It's very different from my mom. Yeah. I just, I, you know, I, it, it just is. Right. Because she's, yeah, she is totally yeah. brainwashed. For when people are gonna listen or watch this, right. I would love to, you know, help them get a better understanding of it, mm -hmm. and also um, help them maybe identify: Is my community? Am I in a spiritual abusive community? Like, how do I know? So, I, I kind of want to like go in that direction. Like, yeah. what is it? What did it look like? Something we say at Tears of Eden a lot is trust your gut. Yeah. And and in these communities, and this is part of like the toxicity, like you're kind of taught that your flesh is bad, your body's bad, your emotions are bad. Yeah, and so I think that that would be the first thing of just like, if some, if you've got a little yellow, and I've worked in five different churches, mm -hmm. and I learned after like the third church, anything that is like kind of a yellow flag when mm -hmm. you're like interviewing, mm -hmm. that's gonna that's be a, good... a major issue once you get there. Oh, that's a good And so time. just like, Pay attention mm -hmm. and don't don't suppress it. You might not because because it's so subtle, and it eventually happens over time. You might not be able to say how bad it is yeah. because it's usually little things. Mm -hmm. So like paying attention to those things, asking those questions, take notes because if you're dealing with a narcissist, like it's a total mind. So like yeah. write it down so that you can like go back. And I think like now I took so many notes and I saved emails. And so when I go back and I read it now, I'm like, mm. <laughs> like how did I not see how yeah. bad this yeah. was? Like what we're talking about is like an experience of spiritual abuse and this chronic experience of spiritual abuse. It's hard. It's difficult to say, you know, this is what happened. Like beginning, middle, end. And like this is this is this is an example of spiritual abuse yeah. because it is so experiential. And um, I'm working on on writing a book about spiritual abuse right now and what I'm trying to do is write on one level what happened. Yeah. And then on another level, just an embodied experience of what's happening inside of me as this is happening. Because so often when you try to tell someone this is what happened, like they look at you like you're crazy or like you have three heads or, yeah. and it's like, they just. Or that's it, like that's what that's happened. All? Yeah. That's all, that's what happened. Oh. It seems so bad. Yeah. yeah. And part of that is because, because of the toxic culture, like this has been normalized to look mm -hmm. like Christianity. Mm -hmm. There's some of the stuff is just, uh, you know, like our views of forgiveness and um, reconciliation and, yeah. and gossip and how that's weaponized. Like don't gossip is weaponized. And um, uh, that was actually helpful for my family of origin of like, I remember like my dad using don't gossip as a way to like suppress us and silence us. I was like, if something bad is happening, like I'm going to talk about it. Yes. Like, <laughs> like, sorry, like I'm just going to. Mm -hmm. Something I posted on Instagram that just got so much interaction that I was really shocked that it did, but it's very simple. But um, it was like exposing abuse is not gossip. And, mm. and that and that is what it's used for, is to silence people from talking about abuse. Don't gossip, don't tear down the church, don't, mm -hmm. you know, protect, you know, protect mm -hmm. the pastors, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. And and to, to expose abuse and mm -hmm. to say this is happening here yeah. and this is this is uh, wrong. Yeah. And I'm gonna keep talking about it until you do something about it. Part of the part of the reason why it also I think extends that far out is because it's a system. Because if the system mm -hmm. was healthy. It can it can like take care of the mm -hmm. one person that's like doing that, but once you have an unhealthy leader mm -hmm. and a toxic system, mm -hmm. that's what kind of almost I could mm -hmm. be wrong, but I feel like that's what like perpetuates this oh, for sure. beyond measure. And I would say I I have not yet encountered an abuser in a position of authority that didn't have a toxic system. Uh, okay. It's like they, they exist hand hand. together. Mm -hmm. An abuser doesn't get into power without mm -hmm. help, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, either by enablers 
or people who just look the other way, yeah. or what's called flying monkeys, people who do their bidding for uh, them and work mm -hmm. on their behalf. Mm -hmm. Whether the narcissist, chicken before egg, I don't know whether the narcissist created the system or the system created the narcissist, I don't know. Yeah. But they exist together, mm. typically. And I would just say, like my own family, how we contributed to that system. And, and still, many family members still contribute to mm -hmm. that system of, um, immediate family and extended family yeah. of just propping up my dad right. by not calling him out. Mm, so just mm -hmm. by turning a blind eye and pretending mm. it's not happening. Yeah. Like that, inaction is action, basically, a situation. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's just, you know, you freeze because of trauma. And that, that's real. Mm -hmm. That happens too. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to extend grace, let's extend it there. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Um, to people who just are so confused and they don't know what to do and 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 you do freeze mm -hmm. and that that's that's real and that's legitimate too. Yeah. So So if you're at a church now, how might one identify or recognize that they might be in an abusive system or a toxic system with mm -hmm. an abusive leader? I mean, I would I would go back to that trusting your gut and paying mm -hmm. attention to the yellow flags thing um, and you can be patient with yourself. Like, mm. you might not know, yeah. you know? And you might have to watch for the patterns yeah. for a few years yes. before you know. Mm -hmm. And nobody knows. Yeah. Like, nobody joins a church thinking, oh, I'm gonna join a spiritually abusive church. Yeah. Like, they're joining a good fam you know, family, yeah. they like it, they like the music, they like the pastor, whatever reason you join a church, you're joining a good thing. You right. wanna be a part of a good thing. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that you, don't see it mm -hmm. right away or it takes a few years mm -hmm. or it takes you know going through these cycles a few times that's okay yeah. like that's normal yeah um and it is subtle in general spiritual abuse is yeah. very subtle mm -hmm. it's gonna take a minute yeah to to see and 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 then and there's a lot of people and that one of the reasons why like i'm i'm not involved in a church right now as I just don't have the energy to go through the cycle. You know, right. I just don't, I don't have the energy to be in a place and and wait for it to rear its head. <laughs> I just don't, I don't want to go through that mm. right now. Um, I mean, with everything that you've been through and even now with this podcast where I think you're almost 50, 50 plus episodes of stories mm -hmm. and experts um, and being really entrenched in this world and topic, like, it, like, do you have, like, do you, is it important for us to, like, save the church? Or, like, why is this so mm. important? Well, something that I, I have to be cognizant of is, like, someone who leaves the institution isn't leaving the church. Mm. They're still a part of the church. And so it makes me laugh when people accuse me of tearing down the church. They're like... I'm literally caring for the church. Yeah. Like these survivors. Well, you literally are the church. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. These survivors are still a part of the church. Mm -hmm. They may not be in the institution. Do you get that from people? Oh, yeah. Really? I get, I get crazy emails, crazy commas, wow. mostly from people I don't know. Okay. Yeah. And it's funny. And I, I remember my first one. I was like, yes! <laughs> my first gave the email! <laughs> I have arrived! <laughs> People are about to just no, yeah. Um, but yeah, so like people who um, leave the church, leave the institution. Mm -hmm. Institution is not church. Like that's not church. It's, it's something we made. Like mm -hmm. we made this thing called congregation that you go to on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not necessarily church. You know, like yeah. it's it's it can be. Right. Um, but someone who can't participate in that system isn't necessarily outside the church. They might have decided that they don't yeah. identify as Christian anymore or decide that that's, that's the, um, but I just, I'm like, like you are still part of the church. That's why I love what so, Diane Langberg said. She yeah. said, we've confused the institution, the system and the building for the church, right. but it's the people who, you know, love God. That is the actual, that is the church. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, what was the what was the question? I I lost oh. the question. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> oh, just like why is like why is this important or like why? Oh, like, why should we save church... the church? Yeah, why should, should we, we save the, the church? church? Should we save the church? Yeah. I mean, is that even the right question to ask? Uh, you know? Yeah, save the institution, the church, save the church. You know, I think the church wall is exists. I just think it's it's a it's a force of its unto itself. 
Like honestly. the institution? Not the institution necessarily, but just like if, uh, if we call, if the church is people who, who identify with mm -hmm. the, the hu human Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, and, and believe that that Jesus is, is also God, and that is the definition of someone who's a part of the church, mm -hmm. like I think that that, that will always exist. Right, right. Um, the institution itself um, needs some serious revamping, mm -hmm. and I'm getting to a place where I might have to say I think it needs to just go. So I do want to talk about your book before we wrap up. Um, so well, what, and on a positive note. Yes. What was the inspiration behind this book? And also, it's amazing that you wrote a freaking book. <laughs> I just like. I needed I it. I, I needed it. I saw a Broadway show last night, and the people that I saw it with, one of them said something about how a lot of times people survive by creating art, and yeah. I just I feel like that's what art has been to me. And on the pod, on uncertain podcasts. Um, I interview artists on purpose because I'm like they're gonna help us navigate this. Mm -hmm. Like they're gonna they're gonna show us yeah. how to get through this darkness because mm -hmm. we're exposing the darkness on one hand, mm -hmm. but then we need to have this like, well, what do we do now? Mm -hmm. And I believe that artists are gonna help us with that. And art has meant so much to me. Um, in yeah, so can we just, just tell even, people like you're a writer, you're a yeah, poet, you're yeah, an artist, you're an yeah. actor, you're a <laughs> podcaster, yes. you're a teacher, like. Yeah, there's, I mean, that's, that's and it all kind head. of flows together. Yeah. Yes, yes. That's what's like awesome about like, I feel like this period of your life, it's mm -hmm. like so many of those things are converging right now and yes. it's also in a helpful way. Too. I hope so, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I would say that just like that ability to, I was just a writer as a kid and I did theater as a kid and I, I really think that that was why I never silenced my intuition completely. Mm. That's because I had to have that intuition to create. Mm -hmm. I just needed it. Um, but yeah, so the fun, the, the book itself um, is, there's a there's a musical called Seven Brides for Seven Brothers about seven brothers who uh, basically kidnap wives. And it's super sexist and, you know, misogynistic, whatever, it's a fun story, uh, but, <laughs> um, but made in the 50s. But my, my sisters and I loved, loved the musical. We watched it all the time. And one night we were watching it and I was a teenager, late teens, and my sisters were just like, Catherine, you should write a story, but you should write about sisters getting husbands. Mm. And so it like that night, like we like all came up with this idea for this story and they named the sister that was I four sisters, and so they like named all of their sisters, and they named the named the 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 fiancés of the stories, and mm -hmm. and so I wrote it at that point, and then I rewrote it recently, mm -hmm. and it was interesting to read the version that I wrote, mm -hmm. which was very misogynistic and very patriarchal, really? and when I wrote it, wow, that was me. Mm -hmm. I thought that was normal. Like I just that was my life. That I thought misogyny was men like that that's how men are supposed to be mm -hmm. like um, what did you feel when you saw that it was just a, it was like a, an uh, observational psychological mm. analysis okay. of like oh I remember writing this yeah. and I didn't have a problem with this lifestyle mm -hmm. like I, I thought that this was normal mm -hmm. like I just I didn't have any any clue that this was really harmful and damaging yeah and so when I rewrote I could completely flipped it like I just it's a patriarchal world with five sisters and the reason yeah. why no one wants to marry them is because they're basically feminists yeah. and in this patriarchal world and you know yeah. quick question do you ever feel like this is sometimes I feel this which is you ever feel like I was so entrenched in this one way of thinking which was mm -hmm. like kind of when you look back right mm -hmm. like same as me I was so entrenched and I was like gung-ho I'm sure I've yes. said things that I don't believe in now <laughs> and have said things to people that you know I really regret mm -hmm. and then now I'm like I this is what I believe like are you ever worried like is is what I'm thinking now also wrong too like oh, for we sure. st start like not trusting I mean that maybe that's yeah. a result of the abuse or trauma but like you yeah. start questioning your own self yeah and I think that's why I, I call my podcast uncertain is because I think one of the damaging messages that I received from the church was that you have to be certain and you have to have the right answer and you have yes. to know. And I just wanted to create a space where we can say, maybe we don't know. 
maybe this is what I think now, mm -hmm. and it could change. And we can hold this loosely. We can um, explore this. Mm. We can, you know, and then and then also just this reality of like I believe these things, and I wasn't healthy when I was like believing those things. I can say now I'm like I still have. A long way to go, but I would say I'm coming from a healthier place. Mm. I'm not coming from a place of shame. I'm mm -hmm. not coming from a place of agenda. Like mm -hmm. I want everyone to believe, you know. Like mm -hmm. and so just having a healthier. And I think we can know that about ourselves mm -hmm. if we, and maybe not know that when we're in in these spaces yeah. because that's all we, that's all we knew, yeah. and we thought it was. And those things were not mine. Those are things that people forced onto me and right. coerced me into believing I yeah. didn't I embraced them because I didn't have an, another option it was survival mm -hmm. and so a lot of times in these systems people do embrace it because it's survival like they don't know that they have another option and right. like to leave, if, to, if to leave the church is to leave God that's terrifying yeah it's terrifying yeah to have like and the people who experience the phobias post leaving church of just like am I going to hell because I'm I can't do church anymore or whatever um that's that's a clear indication of brainwashing. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's such a good point. Um, so maybe just to wrap things up, um, what would you tell your younger self? Mm. Wow. I wrote a poem to myself. Um, uh, yeah. And I, I. And in that poem, I was, I was just, yeah, basically like giving my younger self their voice. I just like, you do have a voice and your voice mm. does matter. Because um, there was just so much silencing happening throughout my whole life. And yeah, I would say that that's like, you have a voice and your voice matters. Mm. We will mm -hmm. end it there. <laughs> I feel like there's so much we can, I feel like I just, we need just to, I know. started. I feel like it too. Thank you for listening or watching. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. To support us, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or follow us on your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you.